I'm Dan Broskell. And I'm Dave Geller. And we are the co-hosts of What Do We Know? What Do We Know is a free-range podcast dealing with wellness, education, sports, personal stories, and more from two guys who know a lot about certain things, but not a lot about others. Your hosts are Dan Broskell, a longtime educator, compulsive runner, and father of five. And Dave Geller, a pediatrician with three kids and an amazing Maine accent. Uh, hi, everybody. It is Monday, July 27th, 2020. I'm Dan Broskell here with my good friend Dave Geller. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Just trying to stay cool in this hot heat wave. It's a hot heat wave? It's the best kind. <laughs> yeah, as, you and I were walk, as you and I were walking into our location, which we disclose in a second, I was sweating just coming from the air-conditioned car into the studio. Um, I'm glad it's air-conditioned in here. But there's a reason they make breathable fabrics, which you did not choose to wear today when it's 98. But that's besides the point. Dave, who are we here with? This is a podcast a long time coming that we've been trying to do. So why don't you introduce our guest today? Well, we are here in the studio of Lexington Power Yoga, otherwise known to people in the area as LPY. And we are here with the two of the three uh, leaders, uh, owners of the studio, Lorraine and Jillian. And we're excited that they are here to join us and shed some insight into LPY, yoga, and just general things about them. So ladies, welcome, it's great to have you. Great to be here. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so we're sitting here and, and there, there's, there's some curtains up in the studio, so I wanna talk first about how, you're, how have you reopened and what's different for people that may have been here before, like Dave and I, who have certainly been here before. Yeah. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Dave. Do you, do you have something? No, I was going to say, like, like uh, I mean, just backstory here is, um, you, you know, you, you'll tell us how long you've been open for, but Dan and I actually have done yoga here before ourselves. And um, yeah. We, not, not by ourselves. Not by <laughs> ourselves. Yeah, we snuck in. Um, yeah, no, we've had some good experiences here. And yeah, the studio looks a little bit different. And as everybody knows, we've been talking a lot about uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic and the reopening, you know, especially of schools. Um, as Dan's really involved with. And, you know, we are sitting in this yoga studio right now with Lorraine and Jillian surrounded by shower curtains, doors open, AC on, um, lots of stuff. So, yeah, t t tell us how, how it's going with you guys. So, um, first of all, introduce yourself so that we know who's talking. There we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is Jillian. Hi, Jillian. <laughs> um, so, it's going, it's going good. It's definitely different. It feels different. Um, just everything kind of in life feels different right now, but the curtains are our form of barriers, which we decided to do because um, state guidance came out, which was a little um, kind of even stricter than we had imagined that it was going to be. And the state guidance was asking for 14 feet apart or six feet with barriers. Uh, and so we chose to do barriers so that we could hopefully get the numbers into the studio to keep the business model chugging along like it needs to because at 14 feet apart you just can't have enough people in the studio in order to make the numbers work um, but with the curtains you are able to do that and additionally they provide this awesome kind of safety net really on top of masks that really have made people feel secure and safe when they walk in here which I wasn't sure kind of how it would go over, but people have been loving it when they're in the studio, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And just to add this, Lorraine, that if we're in the wellness space, I think it feels really important for people to feel healthy and safe if that's really what we're here to do is leave people better than when they came in. So when I saw these, Jillian put a lot of sweat and design, tears and thought into the barriers and <laughs> more tears than anything so a lot of sweat too but um it really feels like a labor of love and a place where we can welcome our own teachers who we care so deeply about families who we try and take care of and we're such an interconnected web of people that it felt important for them to be able to walk in our doors and really feel confident and safe and comfortable and leave happy even though we're in the midst of something really challenging so Hopefully it still feels like a sanctuary. I'm impressed with the way it looks. It sounds funny when you describe it, but seeing it in person is a little different. Yeah, you know, from past podcasts, people know that my wife, Jen, also teaches here, and she had shown me your plans, some of the pictures, and I said, that's genius, adding, mm. adding a little uh, expletive, you know, before that. Because <laughs> not only are you doing it in, inside, you're also doing it outside, right, over at Bowman School. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so we are trying to provide as many options as we can because we understand that uh, people need different things to feel safe and secure during this time. So when the whole thing happened, we pivoted quickly to an online um, practice where all of our community really rallied together and, and started doing Zoom classes. Our teachers learned how to do um, all Zoom technology from their homes, you know, with us walking them through on the phone and on, on Zoom calls. And um, then when we were able to go outside, Lexington had was a little slower to, to come along with allowing people out in the public spaces. Um, that Don Board of Health, right? Yeah, you don't have a name for that one. Yeah, those ones are strict, yeah. <laughs> but they, um, they actually have come around now, but we were able, in the meantime, to secure Bowman Elementary School, which has a pavilion, and so it's nice and flat. It has a pavilion with shade. It's another option for people who feel like maybe that's one step closer to their comfort zone. Um, outside of Zoom, and then when they're ready, they can come in here as well. It's interesting because they put up that pavilion years ago as a shade protection. I remember them doing that the community and how it's so important to protect kids. Um, like for recess? Yeah, for recess, yeah, to protect them from the, the sun. And, and, I, and, I, and I remember that. I was involved a little bit with that. Um, but it's kind of cool. The construction or the <laughs> approval of the uh, aforementioned? Uh, anyways, but um, <laughs> I'm saying it's a great idea. Um, but it's amazing how that how the structure has pivoted, right, as to, to give you a different um, uh, venue. And, and I was out there on Saturday night with Jen, you know, uh, not doing a great job with the, uh, you know, with the, with the microphone set up, but that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, there's this nice breeze. There's the birds that chirp like meditation bells every three seconds <laughs> to get your attention right back to the present moment. Like, it's really this nice uh, way to come together. It feels effortless out there. Well, I mean, you guys went through quite a disruption, to be, to put it mildly, with the spring, with closure and pivoting. Um, and I was reflecting, because you know, Dave and I were here the Saturday before the shutdown, mm. and we were here in a 25-person class. It was really hot. It was really dark. It felt like we were sweating a lot. And afterwards, like, can you, believe, can you believe that we did that, you know, three days out? But, of course, that was also the weekend when we were like, something bad's probably about to happen, and then look where we are. Um, and then I remember, tr you know, trying to trying and failing to do it at home. And I said, there's just nothing like being inside, doing it with the music, with instructors walking around the cool cucumber and lavender towels. <laughs> like, 
I couldn't find the same kind of will and even flexibility without being in the actual space. So being able to be open, I'm sure, is going to be a door for many people to come back into and say, thank you for being open because like, it's not the same thing at home or even outside because it's just different. There is a thousand percent a group energy yeah. that can't be replicated by yourself. Um, and I miss that as well. I miss that even teaching online. So when you teach via Zoom, it's so fantastic to be able to see faces, um, but it's harder to connect uh, with what they're doing and being able to just use the inflection in your voice. And, and we're really blown away by what our students do in class. It's kind of incredible how hard they work. And um, you feel it when you're in person with them, either outside or in the studio more than you feel it online but we found there's two different types of people some people love the online like they hold themselves fully accountable like they show up again and again and they're more comfortable in their own home than than they are you know with 25 people surrounding them no matter what the energy is so it's been nice to have both options i think yeah, I think it's given a lot of people a lot of ways to get to know themselves and to get to know yoga. I mean, I think I never thought I would appreciate that slab of concrete with the pavilion as much as I do. Um, and I never thought I'd be able to practice in our guest room and teach from my guest room the way I do and kind of welcome my kids in there when they crawl on top of me in the end of the class. You know, it feels like a welcome distraction and a way to keep bringing your community together. It's interesting. We're sitting here in the studio and we are, as I'm learning to say now, physically distanced versus socially distanced and so we can see each other's faces we're at least six feet apart because of our microphones and just being in your presence um as people right you know uh, is powerful and when we have zoom calls i mean zoom calls actually can feel pretty good right because we're seeing each other's faces but it, it, there's just this piece it's not giving you it's like seeing someone not being able to give them a hug Dan. Um, <laughs> calls don't usually feel good to me, but that's all right. I'm glad that you feel satisfied. Though. No, but there's some connection, but just being in, being in person with someone right now uh, is so meaningful to see your faces. And as I was sitting here cross-legged on the floor, and actually this is very uncomfortable for me. <laughs> I am, I'm sitting amongst some yogis and next to Dan. Oh my God, I'm so in pain right now just with my legs like they are. But anyways, um, is <laughs> don't look at you. Um, is that, you know, just also with a yoga teacher, you know, uh, how do you guys go by instructors, yogas, yogis? Like, w what's, your, what's your favorite moniker? I mean, we're not, I hold no pretension about it. Like, it, some people like to be called faculty and some instructors and some teachers. And the, we're just kind of here to lead a class. And so whatever you want to call us, I think I, I default to, um, to teacher most, mm. most often, but... You can call me doctor for the rest yeah. of the, the um, but but it's just just being in your in your presence and not to, not to elevate you too much, but it's you know when we come to these yoga classes and I'd like to go back into the history of LPY a little bit, but also when we come to these yoga classes, for me, you know my first yoga class was was with Linda, um, mm. and that was powerful. I mean that was just powerful to be in the room with her. Um, did that with my friend Rabbi Lerner. He was one of the first ones I came to yoga here with. And having her walk around and instruct was really uh, meaningful. And then, of course, when I can come with to a yoga class with Jen, my wife, that's just a, a many layers there of, of coolness. Um, but it's interesting, like just being in your presence. I think Zoom versus—I mean, there is power in Zoom, right? And you're connecting. But to, to get—I'm sure people now to come outside to come into the studio, they're just going to gobble that right up just to be with 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 you in in the room. Yeah, we hope so. <laughs> I think um, it's funny. I was saying this the other day, like that I think it's easy to forget how powerful it can be in person 
when you haven't done that in a while. And so it might take people some time. We are finding that it's taking people some time. Like we didn't open the studio doors and everybody came rushing back in. It's definitely a slow build. Um, I think it's a re-education. I think it's a matter of people feeling comfortable and remembering what it feels like to have the power of a group or of a, of a supportive instructor helping to carry you through. It's not just you doing it um, in your living room, but I think people will remember that slowly. Yeah, yeah I think there's a support that comes by being in one another's presence. And I really think that now more than ever, we've been moved by the experience of people showing up however they show up. I know that there's Zoom fatigue that's very, very real. <clears throat> but anytime somebody signs up for a class, you know, I comb over the roster before I teach and I already feel this sense of gratitude and connection that they're willing to dedicate time to me, whether they're there the whole time or not. And then the people who walk in the door come out to Bowman. I feel like I've never appreciated people's time and energy now more than ever. And so I think it makes us a little bit emotional. I remember when we taught our first Zoom class, there was a feeling of relief, um, a feeling of all the things that this pandemic stirred up for us, and just kind of knowing that our little business means so much, and so does everybody who comes and participates and asks how they can help or how they can show up. I think they really make their presence known when they're just there and even just signing up whether or not they get to class because i understand i sign up too and i don't always make it on zoom um, but there's this lovely connection and commitment knowing that there are other people practicing and we have a daily free meditation that people have said even if they don't make it they know that the community is meditating at that time it's at 3:33 every day so it's funny that this is the 33rd episode um yeah. But it's free. It's Let 10 minutes. Let that in for a second. Right? It's daily. Um, and I think that there's such a connection in people having the intention of being just a little bit better. Um, you know, on Zoom, you're the one laughing at your own jokes because everybody else is on mute. I've never laughed at my own jokes more than <laughs> the last three months. But um, there was a moment. I want to hear a good yoga joke. <laughs> well, there was a moment where I was teaching. <laughs> They're all sort of organic. They're funny. <laughs> Um, but there was a moment where I was talking to my class while teaching and I said, you know, you guys make me a better person. You've probably never heard me yell at my kids. That's not because I don't yell at my kids. That's because I don't yell at my kids in front of you. I feel like I'm such a better person because you're there and I'm there and you're sort of watching me that I'm calm with that five-year-old and with that nine-year-old. But when I'm alone, all bets are off. But together, I really do think we're better. You've probably barely heard me yell, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I honestly don't think, I mean, I've known her for a long time now, and I don't think I've ever heard her yell. And I thought she was the type of parent that didn't yell. I was sure of it. Cause those I'm don't parent. exist in my experience. <laughs> sorry. Those are the weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> they don't belong at LPY, age. sorry. <laughs> I see, I see a lot of parents in the office and just calm parents like Dan and yourselves probably. And I'm, I, I always ask them, like, do you guys ever yell at home? Because right. cause people look at me and think, oh, you're so calm and whatever. I'm like, because well, I've learned to actually kind of yell through my smile, you know, through, <laughs> through gritting my teeth, especially yes. if I'm on video so no one knows. Right, but we're better around other people is my point. Um, I assume people wear masks when they come into class now. Awesome. Yes. Yep. Excellent. We're wearing masks and behind the Excellent. barriers. Um, so I asked a question to Jen Geller when she came on about the podcast about, you know, I feel like I can, I know when I'm pushing myself, I know when I feel like I'm getting better, but for you, what would, for you two, what would it mean to be getting better at yoga 
Is there room to grow? Are there skills that you want to develop? Or are you sort of at the peak of where you can be from a physical perspective and it's more of a mental attitude that would be an improvement for you? Oh, it's such a loaded question when you have uh, studied yoga for a long time. And Lorraine is going to be better at answering this than me because she's better at answering everything than me. (laughs) (laughs) She's very eloquently spoken. Um, For me, yoga is not even about the postures anymore, uh, essentially. It's more kind of the way I think about it is just guidance in my life. And so what yoga teaches me or taught me early on through the posture is about self-reflection and patience and um, digging in when you need to dig in and backing off when you need to back off um, about alignment and where the alignment is in that moment might be different than in the next day. All of those kind of lessons, um, finding balance, all of these things are physical things we can learn on our mat through postures, but then they become bigger things about how we find balance in our life between effort and ease or how we um, work towards being more patient or accepting with ourselves. And so there's a lot of it that happens on the mat. A lot of those lessons happen on the mat, but it's when you can internalize them and pick them up off the mat and go out into your everyday life and start to use them and so you can come by these lessons in different ways like different spiritual spiritual spirituality is that a spirituality (laughs) is that a word (laughs) different religions um different different kind of moral compasses come come along these kind of same lines but for me i really was able to work with these philosophies through yoga through postures at first and then more through kind of self-study and my own study right essentially for me yoga the practice of yoga is just being able to accept the moment that you're in and that's really hard it's a constant practice and so you can practice that physically but then also mentally accepting the moment that you're in for what it is and realizing it's going to change and allowing for that to be just a little bit easier in your life. And we do that with movement and uh, with the different postures on the mat. And so I guess that for me, that's what yoga is. There is no end goal. It's a constant, it's a, it's a lifelong journey, just like your real life. Yeah, I, it's beautifully said. I think, um, you know, we refer to it as a practice. It's not something that you ever complete. I mean, I think if I asked you, how do you learn about life through golf, you would probably have some examples. You know, I think that each time you play, you have to get into a mindset and sort of a zone. And sometimes it's more fun than others. Other times you're really working on a technicality of something. Um, So it can be physical but there's so much more it's like the Tao of anything you know why we do things and how do we listen and how do we become better parents it's for me I find it a lot in the practice and it doesn't always manifest through the way it looks it's really how it feels how much can I actually sit with Um, and I think that's why it's been such an interesting time to have yoga during such a change in our culture and socially Um, it's kept me connected and we've developed other ways for people to connect and I think adding meditation on its own has helped people have another fuller understanding of yoga. Um, And then the community piece. I think that there's real benefit in being able to practice something on your own and then to have a language around it. So 
I wish there was sort of some end goal and a little, some accolades that came at a certain point, but it really feels like when you're listening and when you're doing it, um, it's really humbling. You know, there's never that end point where you're all set and you've graduated and you're done. Just like watching your kids graduate, you know, there's so much more that they still have to learn. And it's that funny thing that the more I learn about it, the less I actually feel like I know. So it really keeps me in my place. Um, and I hope that our community feels like we're on that path with them. You know, we're, we may be a little further ahead, like, you know, when you're hiking a trail that doesn't exist, somebody's there with the machete clearing the way. You know, I think that we hope to do that, but we're all really hiking together. And sometimes somebody else has a better insight of which way to go or how to do something. And I think we're really open to that, which is why it's lovely to have people like Jen Geller, Jen Murray, Linda Spolidaro, so many, Yolanda, so many other people with so many life experiences on this path with us. So back to some more detailed questions. So how, how many instructors or guides or whatever you want to call yourselves yeah. do you have? And how many members do you currently have? Oh, I, I've been trying hard not looking at the numbers yeah. as much. Well, <laughs> or like in March, where were you doing? How are we, how are we doing? Like, you know, pre-pandemic, we're killing it. 5,000 members. It's great. Yeah. Um, it's ever-changing nowadays, just like everything else. Uh, back in March before the pandemic when because we've been open for eight years pretty much steadily chugging along at, yeah. at a great clip um, for eight years and so back kind of before COVID BC um, <laughs> we had uh, oh, 20, 20 instructors 16 yeah. to 20 instructors um, around 100 members I would say and so we do all sorts of different membership we which a big thing for us, and it's always been a big thing for us, is that we try to be as flexible as we possibly can. And so that works. It's a great yoga pun, which you probably said unintentionally. Ah, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> See, you didn't. Yoga pun, yoga jokes. There we go. We found, we found one. See, we really are funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, we try to be. Some. It's funny because I, I almost find as a business strategy being flexible is hard for some people because people really do like black and white a lot. People like answers. And um, it, black and white's not really our strength. We come from, I, I, I have four kids. Yolanda, my business partner, has four kids. Lorraine has two kids. Um, and we we just know that that stuff comes up. You know, kids are not. It doesn't even matter. If you don't have kids, like, stuff comes up. And so we always try to be as flexible as we possibly can with everything and so one of those things is that we don't have just a membership where you like at a gym where you pay one price and you come in as much as you can use it if you don't use it you don't it's not worth it to you we have drop-in packs we have um like 10 packs for people who just need the flexibility so our our membership rate is kind of not an accurate way to think about it all the time but i'd say before um BC before COVID we were having you know upwards of 100 110 people walk through the door a day and um now we're kind of down towards down less less <laughs> yes we brag now that our class sizes are so small you'll feel very Lo welcome that's right <laughs> the low teacher student ratio it's great but again, but I assume I mean this is this is par for the course for anybody that's trying to operate a fitness establishment or a wellness. Everyone's trying to figure out how to do it right, and it's going to be challenging. And um, I'm just wondering. I mean, it, 
I assume this is a great place to have a yoga studio in Lexington Center with families that are inclined to think about doing this sort of thing with their discretionary income. Um, and, and is there like a trade association or people that you talk to about like what you can do to survive the pandemic? Do you talk with colleagues, do you do this in other towns to try out some other things? And like what do you learn from the hive about how to survive this crisis? Yeah, there's, um, you know, I think the reality of it is that this is, this is really hard for, fit, for yep. fitness businesses. Yep. And, um, and yoga studios in general, I think too, or group fitness, the, people are really struggling to, to get through. And so we've seen a lot of closures. There was a yoga studio in Bedford and yep. South Boston, and there was one in Woburn. There'll be more um, yep. that, are, that are closing. But we have, um, I personally have other yoga studio owners who I reach out to and talk to, kind of in the same boat, essentially, yep. in Massachusetts. People are just feeling their way back at this point. And so it's slow and hopefully steady that they start coming back and then um, I'm also part of this great Facebook owners group, which is comprised of owners all over the world. So interesting to see them start up in different countries or still be closed in different countries yeah. and kind of what they're seeing three months later. You're able to kind of get a feel that way. And it's a, it's a fantastic resource that they have um, that I'm constantly looking to as kind of a barometer. And I think that's... Is there like a... Like, where's the epicenter of yoga in the United States? Is it like California, the hotbed where the most would, is it Florida, is it Massachusetts? Like, where's, where's it everywhere now? I think it's everywhere. It's Lexington. Yeah. Le Lexington. <laughs> right. the, it's the, the, the Amer American Revolution and American yoga right here. You know, it's funny because um, what was probably considered this mecca of yoga studios before COVID, which, which would be a lot of yoga studios, you know, with a, with a huge population in, in, an, in a city type of area. Now, those, those studios are struggling. Anybody who had more than one physical location is probably struggling more than, more than somebody who didn't. So um, I don't, I wouldn't say, just even personally, I subscribe to there being a yoga epicenter. Yep. I think most of us are kind of in the same boat right now, just trying to, trying to feel it out. Even like, I would say Kripalu is a pretty big epicenter of yoga, yeah. a little different model where they have people coming, they have um, residences and places to stay there. They're not open for the, for the, until 2021. Yeah. So yeah. The, I guess they're the ones who I would say are the epicenter, but I'm not even sure I would say there's an epicenter. It's also wild. I mean, I feel like it's become a little bit of the wild west right now. Um, I think that it's become a way of sharing information. And I think that there are some that are more experienced in terms of lineages of yoga, but really it's become such a mixture that's um, taken different forms of functional fitness and functional movement. So it's really tricky to try and trace something that's almost, uh, you know, like an oral tradition. It sort of gets passed down and changed and evolved and then bodies change. So the way we work with bodies changes. Um, you know, you think about when cell phones came out and the postures and the way that we hold our bodies or how much we drive or how much we're in front of computers. So I think there's this real evolution that fitness is and fitness trends are and yoga is. So it's a challenging question to try and tease out without getting into a teacher training program or any kind of, you know, getting into some of the 
um, different texts about yoga. So it's an interesting thing to think about, but we're definitely in a place where we try and stay current with what's happening, how people are moving, and then how to take care of them within all of those frameworks. We have a 200 hour starting in September, Dave, <laughs> if you want to join and, and learn more about that. <laughs> I'm actually going to pay for Dan's um, van. You can do it, yeah. Both of you are more than welcome to yeah. sign up, Dave and Dan. Do you have any male instructors? Oh, no. You do now? Yeah, yeah. we do. We got your first two right here. Unbelievable. We have in the past, but currently not right now. But it's something I'm always thinking so, about. So I just I'm going to segue. So, so your backgrounds, right? So you, you, um, Jillian, business background? Is that what it is? Yeah, I don't know. I say I'm a, I'm a. I saw General Mills out there somewhere, which, yeah. which as a as a as a cereal eater caught my eye. But yeah, yeah. yes, it, it yes. You describe yourself as a cereal eater? No. Just for this We're podcast. A, a C, not a C. <laughs> there you yes, go. Yes, I'm definitely a cereal. Yeah. And, God, I'm so not, and you and Sorry. you and you into this uh, somehow, right? Like like. What was your path? Yeah, it's Julian undersells herself, so make sure she answers. No, so, <laughs> I um, I would I I think I'm a, a an entrepreneur at spirit, and I, so I'm relatively young. I think I can still say that. And I and I was when I started the yoga studio. I was 28, 29 when I started the yoga studio, when we started the yoga studio, and so. Before that, I was in my 20s exploring, really, what in the heck am I going to do? And I think I've always had this connection to wanting to be really creative. Um, I do love business aspects, although I'm not formally trained in, in it. I don't have my master's in business. I have my master's actually in cultural and American studies. So um, I, would, I would classify my early 20s as just like this big exploration of trying to figure out who the hell I am um heck I am sorry <laughs> it's it's an adult podcast it's okay, okay. <laughs> so um uh I did uh, it's funny I just barely squeaked by my graduation in high school like I was just more concerned about sports than anything else I went to a four-year college figured out that that I could work hard and, and be smart did that um, I spent a year in Boston just trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do. And then I went to Dartmouth for my graduate degree, thinking I would become a teacher. And then quickly realized I don't want to read and write that much. I needed more interaction with people. So I somehow wrangled myself. Uh, I went into the tech school when they were having a uh, job fair at Dartmouth. And I wrangled myself a, a job at General Mills, which was an operation uh, rotational job which was a great job and that enabled me to kind of see the business aspects of working in a plant um, a food processing plant were you on the line actually like putting cereal in boxes yeah uh, but yogurt really yeah yeah was, was that in Michigan or was that New England <laughs> no New England so they they closed down um, but it was a, they had a plant in um, Med oh my gosh Methuen that's the right word. Matuin. Yeah, yes. Thanks to the mighty Merrimack. <laughs> yeah, and so um, I did. Uh, I was. I did a rotation in engineering. I did a rotation in business operations. And business operations management was essentially like learning how to be a manager of people who worked on the line. So you had to work on the line just the so same. So I feel like calling you said Lorraine and Jillian, Laverne and Shirley, because I'm <laughs> picturing you guys in, in the in the uh, in, 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 in that beer in that beer company, right? Um. Anyways, go on. 
I think I'm too young for that reference. <laughs> oh God! I got it. Thank I, you. I definitely. We're the elder. We're the elders. Racial divide here. Elders in the crowd. But go on, go on, youngin. Yeah, sorry, not that You're young. You young entrepreneur. Um, and so, I, I, I frankly wasn't even too good at that. I, I really, I didn't, um, I didn't like the structure of of set hours and having a boss. I know that that's horrible to say, but I just really didn't didn't thrive there. And when I finally um, just got to the point where I wasn't, I knew I wasn't thriving there, I opened up my first small business, which was um, a wedding decor, styling, and rentals business, which grew from my own wedding. And I built it up so that I was able to quit General Mills and do that. And I really liked it. And then I thought to myself, well, in the winter, nobody's getting married, so I'll just open this small yoga studio. I've always wanted to do that. Um, and I had, I had trained to become a yoga teacher, just hadn't done it, and I had been working on the business plan for years back to Dartmouth because um, I had been practicing regularly. And that little, you know, it was supposed to just be my winter gig turned into this big, big baby, you know, like that, that has turned into this amazing thing. That's amazing. You actually pivoted from the wedding business, right, which is not doing that well right now, to yoga, which is going to do better. Yes. So no, 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 I'm no, no, sure no. I'm, I'm being bad. optimistic. I'm, I'm channeling this yoga stuff. So in 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 in, um, in Lorraine, your background, like you're from from the West Coast, right? I am. Um, born and raised in California. And Big state. What part, Lorraine? Uh, Northern California, a town called San Mateo. Uh, you know where Tom Brady's from? It is. Oh, yes. Stop it. That's, question all that's the time? sort of our claim to fame, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. along with a few other things. There's some and big you. industries. And you. And, yes. And I was born. Um, Tom actually listens to this podcast. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I went to school. I stayed in California for undergrad. I discovered yoga at Berkeley. Um, and I wanted to be a yoga teacher. I took my first class. I was 18. And I remember talking to the instructor. And the only place that seemed like you could train was in India. And so I was still working on my undergrad. And that just didn't seem feasible to me. I'm not sure my parents would have supported that so much as my, you know, getting my bachelor's degree. And then I went on to get my uh, graduate degree, which is why I came to the East Coast. I got my master's degree in counseling psychology. It's really an education master's degree. Um, And then I started taking a ton of yoga. I was working in the field of substance abuse, totally burned out. I feel like between four counselors, we were essentially sharing a pen because the field is so underfunded. Um, But it really ignited my passion for taking care of people and myself and really thinking about what makes us tick and what we need to stay healthy and to really stay connected and keep our heads above water. Um, And that's when I started practicing. And so my practice turned into a lot more and that's where I started to feel happy, whereas work left me drained. I was working at St. Elizabeth's Hospital, um, inpatient and outpatient substance abuse counseling. Um, I loved it, but I would walk home, I lived wow. in Brighton, and I would just be like crying to my mom, thanking her for you know all the support that I naturally had, um, that these people didn't. So in any case, I was running family meetings, it was pretty deep. That's heavy um, stuff. It well, was, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot. So yeah. joyfully, yoga was there, and I think that's where I worked through a lot of the stuff that I was trying to manage as a substance abuse counselor, and it just, yoga sort of helped me feel like I could use some of those same gifts um, and really enjoy what I was doing. 
did I see the two that you're Reiki trained? I am. Yes. Um, I've taken Reiki. I'm Reiki master. I train other people. Could you master. give us two sentences on what that is? I mean, I, I yes, know, but so just for, it's, the, um, for Dan next to me, he has no idea what it's I just essentially, said. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's a hands-on healing that can also be done distance. So it's really, it relates to a meditation practice for me of setting an, an intention of being able to help and visualize, you know, this idea of healing being beyond something that we really know about. It's used in hospitals now as well. Um, it's become much more mainstream. Um, so in any case, it's something that has helped me become an even better and more connected, I think, yoga teacher. The reason I ask that, you know, my wife who's a physical therapist, mm. Jen, um, also was trained in craniosacral therapy, mm -hmm. you know, and if you, if you Google both, both Reiki mm -hmm. and craniosacral, there's different perspectives on it. I mean, I, I, I initially didn't um, subscribe to craniosacral, but I do now as I've been more educated, hopefully, and, and open-minded and had it done to me by mm -hmm. Jen. And so craniosacral is a, really a hands-on technique, right? Mm -hmm. um, powerful um, therapeutic method. And Reiki is as well, but as you're saying too, it's not always about touching, right? right. So it's, it's, it's amazing. So I could go on a path of this whole somato emotional release thing where I've yeah. been in yoga with Jen, um, actually with Linda as well, where I, and you can maybe explain this better, but where I have had an emotional um, release or a separation from, from what I feel physically to emotionally, and it's pretty crazy. And yeah. the fact that you do Reiki, right, which is also a, a method that doesn't, doesn't involve having to touch, although I, I know you do walk around these before BC, before COVID, yeah. as uh, Jillian says, uh, maybe adjusting people's postures. Like, I, I can only imagine that you, are you actively, do you think that you're actively using that or passively using that in the methods? Well, I think it's an interesting question. I think that I can consciously sit down and really use it and be deliberate about it. And there are other ways that it's just part of who you are. You might not even think, you know, you probably feel it a little bit as a doctor. You're not really thinking about the idea that you hold your um, patient's highest intention, hope for healing with you when you treat them. It just kind of comes across and you've probably never really been asked about it. It just is part of your you know, bedside manner as a, as a doctor and it's why so many kids feel comfortable in your office. Um, and I think it's similar to here, you know, I think we really want people to feel supported and connected. And so I think it comes across without having to talk about it or even, um, advertise it. You know, it's really just kind of something that I did to be a better teacher from one of my teachers when I would always ask, what can I do? Because yoga is something that you're not sure if you're really good at, just like practicing. Did I, was I good on the mat today? Like I, I think I was raised to follow the rules. I loved getting the grade or the accolades, you know, as a student, I, it's just where I thrive. And so yoga doesn't have that so much. So I had to reorganize, like, are you good at it? Did, was it successful? You know, it's kind of a hard thing to know. So I think I liked that just because it gave me that peace of mind. Like you don't have to do it right. You don't have to be good. There's not that black and white. Um, it just is what it is. And there's sort of a longer process with it. If we um, had an, another just random, and you're going to be kind, I'm sure, but a random um, teachers, instructors, guides, wherever you are from another yoga studio on, in this podcast, do you think that they would be able to um, spontaneously explain and express yoga and what you do and how they do as you guys are doing? I mean, it seems awful at a higher level. You know, it seems like a much higher level. And I forget who we had on the podcast before um, where we talked about um, the ability to just go to that next level. I mean, there's the, the, and you, and what makes LPY special? 
is is you two and um, Yolanda and the management team, of course, and all your teachers. But you're just not a yoga studio. You know, it's more than that. I mean, I think we take into account what helps people thrive. And I think that fascinates all of us. Yolanda's done a couple of Ironman races, like real Ironman, where she's been riding, swimming, running for, I think, 24 hours. We have elite athletes who come in here. We have people who have big families who live lives like they're elite athletes. So I think we really try hard to see them, to think about what helps people thrive in life. And um, I think that this becomes much more than just a physical practice and really the way we live and the way we take care of each other. You know, like, it's like spirituality and mind-body can sometimes be overused, right? You know, and gratitude. I always, I always give Jen a hard time all these emails coming through and go away with gratitude. Enough of the gratitude already, right? But it I works. get it. You know, there, it, it, it is. You know, you guys. I mean, mind body is. What is mind body, right? What is you know? What is mindfulness? What is Dan and I have Spock talked about? You know, uh, you know, uh, you know, what is spirituality? And and you, I think you guys rise to that level, which is nice. That's great. I mean, I think I'm borderline obsessed with human performance and how it works and how each person can get to that level where they really do feel like they know themselves and they know how to get where they want to go. Um, I listened to another little podcast with a guy named Dan Harris, and I think he had... There was no other <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I think he had the coach of the Seattle Seahawks, is it Coach Carroll, talking about... Yep. Yeah, talking about... Um, creativity and compassion and competition and how it all works together and he was really talking about mind body stuff that we do in here and he said you know I don't care what somebody uses as long as they can get there um, and I think that's sort of how we feel here it doesn't matter whether you do bar whether you meditate what do you whether you have words around meditation or yoga we just want you to get to a place where you feel like there's a a little mastery over your own life because there's a lot going on that'll try and get you down. But if we can be that bright spot and if we can help buoy you up in those moments, then our jobs are done. I think uh, one way that we are able to do all of that that you said, which thank you, that I, it makes me feel great that that is what this is. Cause, and I do know that, that I hear so often from people that this place is something really special and it it means everything to us that it is something more than just a place where people can come do yoga or do bar, yeah. But it's funny, so I think I almost know the magic of it. And when when we first started this studio, um, kind of my my dogma, if that's the right word, was like, I don't I don't want there to be incense. There shouldn't be like things hanging on the wall. You know, I want it to be clean. I want people to just come in, get a good workout, and and not feel like they have to like be indoctrinated or feel like that and um and then there's Lorraine who just is just naturally somebody who brings some space to every class that she teaches some spirituality even if she's not trying to um and then and then came every kind of teacher who we never said like you should teach this way or you should buy into this or this is how you're going to make yourself feel better. We ne we never would say that to anybody. Um, I think the beauty of LPY is that there are so many people who care so much about this space and we realize that there's all sorts of different paths to feeling better physically and mentally. And um, the diversity we have with our teaching staff in that way and I think our ability to to let them be who they are uh, really resonates with people. It helps people get to that. This is more than just a place I'm going to work out. It's a place to kind of learn from 
each other. So how often do you both practice yoga, like not teaching? Um, and it's certainly possible to overtrain and overrun and overwork out. Can you do too much yoga? Do you ever tell someone, hey, back off, you're coming too often? Dan once ran every day of the year for how many years? And I still run every day of the year. <laughs> so we're not talking about me right now. We're talking about yoga overtraining. So what, what, what's an unhealthy amount of yoga and how often are you guys both practicing on your own? Uh, it's funny. It's, I, my husband runs a lot and I always say to him, what, what are you running away from when he goes out He's for everything? Because yeah. <laughs> it can be linked right back to your mental state. There's always too much. Or there, there can always be too much of something, right? And so what we strive for is balance. And that is a big part of bar. We don't. We haven't talked about bar a lot, but bar is, um, it's not just something we added because it was trendy. Although maybe a little. It's a little bit the, trendy, yeah. It is. It, yeah, um, because you know it helps with the numbers. But what it does actually is that it's this perfect functional movement contrast almost to yoga, and it provides this bit of strength that sometimes yoga can be lacking, especially if you're leaning too far into postures. Um, into the postures flexibility and not as much into the strength of the postures and so Lorraine and I could bore you for days about um functional yeah for 200 hours in September September 25th no, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding um, put, put a job off at the end of it we're all set <laughs> um on functional movement and how vinyasa yoga um needs a little bit more function in the functional movement than than we've kind of seen in the past because there are lots of people who are attracted to yoga um, and the people who kind of f find immediate success to yoga are often flexible people or almost even overly flexible people who actually should be leaning a little bit more into strength training. And so in a traditional, some traditional practices, those people can, can just lean too much into their flexibility and start getting into their connective tissue and it's really it's not beneficial for their bodies at all so there is um, a balance to everything but I would say that yoga can be done every day all the time just not the postures like right it can be the other stuff that we talked about it can be the 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 mental the kind of mental gymnastics of what yoga is the coming back to the present moment but physically I would say um, it needs to be balanced out just like everything else. And you should just ask yourself, why am I here and, and, and what am I trying to accomplish? Um, just enough awareness around what you're doing for that physical workout so that you can make that decision because we cannot make that decision for anybody. They, you know, everybody's different. Um, and I'd love to be able, it's so funny because I think a lot of guru-y type yogis want to say I practice every day for two hours or I meditate for for two hours every day honestly my practice is uh, just as up and down as anybody else's I mean I've been pregnant four times in six years so um, my physical practice has changed a lot and there's sometimes where I can go months without getting on the mat and physically practicing although I teach a lot so but I would say my own practice, like my personal practice that is alone and or in a group setting, not me teaching. And then there'll be days where, or there'll be times where I could, where I could go every day and, and do it. So it ebbs and flows. I've been doing it now for um, over 15 years, I think. So of course it's gonna ebb and flow. It's just like anything else. 
Yeah, I I love movement and it's not always yoga. Um, my husband has recently gotten me into weight training during the pandemic too. You know, I think that we try and figure out how we need to relieve stress and how we can connect and that's helped recently. Um, I love taking other forms of fitness to know what the trends are and how other people are moving and how it feels in my body. Can I incorporate it into yoga? So I think my practice has been a lot of meditation, getting through life, trying to be kind and compassionate and hold space for all that's going on in the world. And um, that's been a big, big part of the practice lately of getting quiet. Um, I'm super imperfect at it. <laughs> it's not something that's easy. It's not always, it's not always fun. I feel like it's part of my my personal Ironman training, you know, kind of to understand if I'm going to teach meditation to really try and get into the nooks and crannies of my own mind and heart. Um, and then the physical practice I just practiced yesterday. Jen Geller was here too. It was showing up for the studio, for the other students, for the teacher. Um, and I'm grateful that that blends in with what I'm doing as my quote unquote job. So when somebody walks in off the street, you're like, you see them like, mm, former gymnast, mm, CrossFit, Mm, volleyball like can you can you peg it pretty quickly based on what they're doing and how they're moving yeah yeah I think so <laughs> like it's I can definitely so I'm a former gymnast um so and I know why I why I started the practice why I immediately loved it it felt to me so much like that connection that I had with gymnastics and competing kind of that zone and the way my body moved I can pinpoint a gymnast from very far away um a dancer, a dancer same way I can pinpoint a dancer I'm pretty um, hyper vigilant about um, about uh, what's the what's my how am I forgetting the word um, hyper mobility mm. oh my gosh <laughs> I don't know how you forget the word because I have it myself so that it seems pretty easy for me to see you can you can tell too like if somebody's a runner or if somebody um, you can tell when people are like rock climbers by their upper body movement or, or range of motion. Once you've taught for a while and you watch bodies move, it's easier for you to be able to see kind of what that, how that body moves and what it might need to feel more balanced, it, especially if you're working one-on-one -on -one with somebody. So you, by looking at me, you can tell that I'm a former hip hop dancer. <laughs> <laughs> a b-boy, I'm a b-boy. Yes, yes. <laughs> I also think that people want to feel successful and they'll come back if they feel like they're doing something well. Um, we love you, Dave. <laughs> um, and so I think that, you know, we also try and look at the people who might be struggling with a certain posture, set of postures, and we want them to feel like there's something there for them too. So there's beauty in that struggle. Like you're doing a great job getting into muscles that maybe you don't think want to stretch or want to lengthen. It's going to help balance it out. So just like if I said, don't go for a run, go to yoga, I'd be like, oh, I really want to go for yeah, for nice <laughs> <try>. <laughs> yeah, forget it, right? We want to keep doing more of what we're good at and more of more. So it's really challenging to do less of something we think we're good at or less of something that keeps us in that same goal of like running or moving. So it's interesting to try to balance. I don't think we always want balance. So, so we talk about like modifying people's um, postures or positions. Like I... I, I I know some studios do, do that a lot. Um, at least maybe that was the old school way. Yeah. And I don't think your studio does it as much. I, I was here one time, my first time here with Linda. And she, and I was just watching people around me doing what they were doing. And she said, now going to happy baby. 
and I assumed what I thought was a happy baby position. I have some experience with happy babies, and I guess it, I guess it, lying on my side with my thumb in my mouth was not the position. But she, but she corrected me, which I appreciated. No, I, I did, I did curl up in a comfortable position. Okay, so, so, so I have a question about the postures. There's a lot of postures there, and I was asking Jenny. I mean, you know, I know when she when we're talking, when she's teaching, there's some Sanskrit out there, right? Ukatasana and Shavasana, and and but there's a mix, there's a mix of that in the English ones. I'm not really quite sure how you fit in downhill skiing in there from what what culture that came from maybe up in northern Vermont but um but 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 some of these names like happy baby honestly I my question like where this could be my pepper question for yoga um like where like how how many babies assume a happy baby position I just haven't seen that much really I think babies take happy baby a lot well maybe I don't know what happy baby is still. <laughs> I have to google it quickly it's so interesting. So you will actually appreciate this. It, this is how I think about like what what we're doing in yoga a lot. So babies, um, and yoga is a lot about. That's a big question. I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to it, but to off of this last thought I had, um, yoga is a lot about your posture and about building the muscles around mountain pose. Mountain pose alignment is essentially your posture in zero, like anatomical yeah, neutral. yes, anatomical neutral. Thank you. Um, and so if you think about like a baby and how it comes out kind of curled up like a ball and then the things that it starts to do to learn how to be able to walk are, um, you know, you put the baby on its belly and, and it does locust pose. It lifts up its chest and its legs, right? Or, you, or first the baby starts on its back and it brings its feet up in the air and its arms up in the air and it's really just trying to get its belly to work. It's trying to develop belly muscles. It, you know, among other things and um, and then as a baby starts to crawl it's our tabletop position right so babies hands on knees and they're really working their core and they're finding balance and stability yeah right cool. see David Grace great. Yeah. yeah and then um, her answer is way better than your question <laughs> <laughs> and, and mine too and so, so many of our postures are kind of looking at just the very basics of what it takes to be a functional, healthy, muscular adult. And um, not a lot of people know this. It's kind of an inter... If you're a yoga teacher, you're kind of in the business. There is this little divide of um, philosophy and of theory upon what I consider um, traditional forms of yoga movement and then yoga movement that has some functional movement in with it. And they're kind of divided, the two schools. One would say that you need to do the postures as they're seen in ancient texts, wherever those are from, which is all debatable there. And then the other is kind of what Lorraine was talking about, that our bodies have evolved and changed, and we're working with new set of circumstances all the time. And so how can our practice evolve and change to keep us feeling um, like we're thriving. And so LPY really does a good job with making vinyasa yoga kind of a mix of those, something that, that calls upon the tradition, but also is much more functionally stable for most people. And we find that that makes people feel more successful, walk away feeling stronger and able to, to come back for more, right? Yeah. Well, that, that's a there's a strong um, line to be connected to spiritual practice from there as we inherit ancient texts and make meaning and adapt them. How much um, license will you take on your own to adapt it to modern times? I think we appreciate that, Dave, in our spiritual practices as well. How ancient are the texts? 
Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so over, I, under is 3,000 years. You're taking the over, you're taking the under. There's a hilarious, there's a hilarious uh, video of really well-known yoga teachers, and this question was posed to them. So, you know, Baron Baptiste says, I don't really know. We don't really talk about the text much. Uh, Natasha Rosopoulos says, they're at least 5,000 years old, but I don't really know where I got that. And so I think, you know, there are... Um, what do you sutras. think? What put you on the spot? What do you think? <laughs> the Yoga Sutras, I think, have a date to them. I don't know off the top of my head what it is. 3,000 years is what's thrown out there, I think. Yeah. I, it's, to me, it's not, um, it's not, this is, I'm not, this is not my strongest point. I'm much more <laughs> involved in how to make it more functional. Um, and also, I think, too, like everybody, um, is going to pull their kind of moral compass and their spirituality from different places. And so some yoga teachers are really excellent at reading through the texts. And the sutras do have a lot of really, essentially what I was talking about before about the yoga practice off the mat is a lot of the sutras. What your mind does. Yes, um, being dissected. But it's really not my strong suit. I love how you guys use a little Tai Chi to deflect that, the answer to that yeah. question, right? <laughs> I think we're gonna, I think Dan and I are going to do like a Dave Letterman on the street and we're going to walk around ask people in Lexington like how old are how old are the same yes. <laughs> ask any ask a lot of yoga teachers and they'll kind of yeah. stumble through the same as us, <laughs> I think. It wasn't a gotcha, gotcha question. I was actually curious. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than yoga, how was the pandemic for you guys? What was the what was the hardest part other than not coming to work? And what was the great or what was the what was the goodness that you found in being at home and doing all, and all the nonsense? It's been uh, good. <laughs> um, it's I'm still trying to work out how it's been. Actually, I think that's perfectly honest. That I'm in a bit of a um, kind of a whirlwind. I think I I default to go 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 fix 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 and do whatever you have to do to make it work and so i've been really just day by day trying to figure out what's next how do we do this how do we keep our community strong and involved how do we keep producing the best product for people to want to come back to and there's a lot of moving parts to try to do that so i i get really almost lost in in that and i'm grateful that i have a team who who really does kind of pull out and say like okay how can we help a team a team like like Yolanda and Lorraine and Linda but also all of our teachers and then also our students who our clients who are coming and saying like how can we help what do you need um so for me I think I spent a lot of time kind of like that what's that cartoon devil that just whirls around devil. yeah <laughs> I feel like that's been me in the pandemic I'm sorry how do you know that but you don't know Laverne and Shirley right. I'm sorry uh, I understand why she knows that not the other one <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really I just know of him that yeah, he spins yeah. around <laughs> um and my, so the, thankfully my family's been kind of trooping along with me because I have four young kids who are home and so we've been doing we've been trying to balance the homeschooling as well and so it's just a balance it's a constant like here I'm here I go I've gone too far pull it back here I go I've gone too far pull it back and I, I think I've, everybody's kind of dealing with that both emotionally and like how much I can how much I take on yeah I think short term I was ready like get two weeks of groceries hunker down all right we've got this everybody has their job and then two weeks turned into four months turned into 
you know, what we're looking at now. So I think short term, I can buckle down and do a lot. And then when I'm not sure of the ending, I start to kind of feel like I'm getting a little seasick. Um, but my favorite part of it was we run something called the gratitude challenge and I'm thinking of renaming it just so that people realize it's so much more it's meditation it's community and when I was doing that there are daily emails and I really had to think about what people were going through that left me thriving because I could get a little bit of a bigger picture and feel like people were working together to make sense of their daily life and where we are together so that phase it was only for a month I was doing great <laughs> and felt like I changed lives and things were really good and people were um, changing their own lives I should say um, and now I'm sort of in a place where I'm a little bit more um, cautious about where we're going or what's next two questions one short answer one long probably um, for you Lorraine what's your athletic background my athletic background? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, let's see, I played basketball in high school, ran track in high school, and then, you know, college, I wasn't a college athlete or anything. I just, you know, would still run 5Ks and benefit runs and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's it. I love to train. It's just something that I find ties with thriving and mental toughness. You talk about golf way in the beginning of this podcast. Oh, yeah. You mentioned golf, okay? And. I talk to parents in the office all the time about how you kind of like think through, like the, one of the reasons some golfers, Tiger Woods, or they all do, they practice the same shot over and over and over again from different ways maybe around the bunker. So when the time comes, they can perform that shot. They just yeah. do it over and over. And you, have, you talked initially about, um, you know, how, about your philosophy, how you, your mindfulness of how you approach things, how you apply yoga to your life. Like, so between, the, between us four in this room, we have four, six, Dan's got five, 11, I have three, so what's 14 if I add quickly. Kids at home, right? So during, during the pandemic, how has your yoga practice, your mental toughness um, worked, uh, been applied at home? Imperfectly, honestly. I mean, I think there are moments when it's wonderful and like blissful and sort of magic, and then two seconds later, everybody seems like they're hurt and angry and like ready to rip each other's eyes out my husband and the kids included, you know, so I think it's really better connected to surfing. You know, you kind of just surf the moments and you take the good waves when you get them and you're in the doldrums the other time. So um, it's really been <laughs> wild in so many ways and wonderful in other ways. And then my heart goes out to people who are really dealing with um, illness and the people on the front lines. And, um, you know, we're looking at the racial divides really seriously in this country. And so it's been a lot. And I try to provide a container for all of us to process um, what's happening and myself included. So it really just takes compassion and kindness and thought and letting mistakes happen and having tough conversations and letting people say things that they might need to say without accusing them of something bigger. Um, because we're all just processing. Um, and it's helped in my marriage, too, to let my husband and him let me have these moments where we don't have the right words or any of the answers. And it's clear that there are no answers out there. I look for answers. Like, I seek them out. Like, what's, what's Obama saying? What's Oprah saying? What's, what are the people saying? And there's You're, no... There, there's some gurus <laughs> for you. <laughs> What'd you say? Those are two gurus. <laughs> like, who, what's Beyonce doing? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I can actually tell you. <laughs> um, but 
I, we've said in yoga teachings, like you will find within what you need, or you really are the one who gets to define what you need in this time. And it's never been more true. Like it's wild to think that that's where we're standing. Each person gets to decide for themselves, for their families, in schools. So. I mean, um, unprecedented challenge of, of complete isolation and dealing with emotions and, and kids you've never had to deal with before. Um, the incredible need that we have as social creatures to be with other people and then not, and the tension now between how much do we need to see others and can it be safe? And that goes from yoga to fitness to school to college and all I see, and Dave, you can tell me, all I see are imperfect solutions, right? And there's a tension between, hey, like, we want to see you, but is it safe to reopen? And even now, I'm sure there's tension about should we, shouldn't we, do we want to, but do we need to to stay in business? And this is where we are right now on these fault lines of, of, of economic hardship and, uh, and, and mental illness and, and kids getting crazy and parents getting crazier in a moment of social upheaval. And we all need something, whether it's yoga or meditation or mindfulness or being present or spirituality. And I assume that you see your, that your role in that, in that equation is really, really important. I'm sure you're hearing that from your clients too. Yeah, we hope so. Yeah. We hope so. I was yeah. going to say the same yeah. thing. Yeah, it's funny. The I, I know Dave doesn't like the word gratitude. I love the word <laughs> gratitude when you guys say it. <laughs> no, I, I, totally, I totally get it. There is, there can be this, there, it just like with everything marketing-wise, um, there's this pendulum swing. And gratitude and um, kind of this, what's the, what's the right word? It's lumped into toxic positivity, which our challenge is not. I swear. No, I know. No. <laughs> I look at my blind spot. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. What's toxic positivity? <laughs> so toxic positivity is um, like instead of if you're, it's a bunch of different things, but essentially it's instead of just holding space for people's feelings, telling them to just like fuck up Bronco. Like only it's good. good vibes here. Yeah. Only positive, only rainbows, only sunshine. I, I can't do people like that. No. Right. Yeah. Sounds like Poppy from Trolls. Yeah. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Poppy from Trolls. Exactly. Um, I nailed it. Yeah. It's so it's funny because the, um, so gratitude sometimes gets a bad rap for that reason, and it can go there. And I, to me, those are the people who are trying to just fix something in a quick second. You know, like marketing is always just looking to like fix a problem in a quick. So is talk to- is toxic positivity good or bad? Bad. bad. Oh, oh, not like not like Poppy. Not like Poppy. Is there oh. is there a good toxic thing that goes around that we should know about? Yeah. No, I I I'm, I'm, I missed the, I missed the segue. <laughs> Well, I personally like Poppy a lot. Yeah, she so this, this take, this take, no, no, no. Yeah, so I was thinking just being positive and mindful. Let's remove Poppy. Let's, think, let's see if some other character I can think of. Pollyanna. Pollyanna, there you go. Okay. Yeah, so Poppy allows people to feel different ways. Like, she allows Branch to feel how Branch needs to feel. Like, I think that this... This is a deep dive down troll psychology. Yeah, I like it. What were your thoughts on the sequel? Did you watch, did you watch the sequel? Yeah, oh, what, yeah, What'd yeah. you think? We rented it twice. I oh, mean, what? Because yeah. both they and I had a pretty cool take on that. We were not big. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of the second one, but that's fine. I mean, does it matter what we think? Uh, I rented it twice for the yeah, kids. Always, so. always kind of. My, my eight-year-old, she was eight, Madison, was not into the uh, second one as much. Did you watch um, Frozen 2 as well? Come oh on now. Gosh. It's pre-pandemic. Yes. There's pre-pandemic. so many lessons to be learned from Frozen. Let it go. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> what, what was lessons from Frozen 2? There are I'm a couple not, that yeah. <laughs> could be cynical if you want. Oh, my God. I don't, I'm not sure I liked Frozen 2. Are you like an Anna Kendrick Frozen. junkie? A which one? An Anna Kendrick junkie? She's one of No. So no, not not Pitch Perfect, no. Oh no, I never saw that. Whoa! Oh, pitch Perfect. I can't. But even my speak. girlfriends think that, that uh, something's wrong with me that I haven't seen. Uh, that. I, 
Actually, Rain, <laughs> I would say I agree. <laughs> Actually, just, just as a, a total tangent here, like this is a pretty big one too. Which, which so, so we, we often we have we've had different people on various athletes talked about you know favorite baseball mo- sports movies. Are there any good yoga movies out there or or fitness movies that Flex- you, how about flexibility movies? Flexibility movies. There you go. No. Yes. The answer was yes. yes. Oh, come on. Rain's got one. Well, so it's not really. So the movie that I type, what we're talking about. Oh, yes. With the gratitude and with life and with the whole gamut of emotions, my one recommendation would be it's a Disney movie. It's okay. Inside Out. Inside oh, Out. Yeah, Do you know I've seen it? it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've seen it. Yeah, it's one of the colors and the. Yes, oh, it's so sad. My, it's wonderful. Oh, but it's sad. It's like the beginning of Up when you want to cry. It's like, a oh, lot. What are you doing it's here? a lot exactly. that's beautifully done that will hold the attention of littles and adults. My favorite is uh, uh, when sadness sits next to that crying clown. He cries candy. Bing bong. And she just okay, transforms right. so, his emotions by sitting so there. You, you are you are very in touch with your emotions. I'm thinking more like <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis and John Travolta in that in that. Oh, you were not thinking that. Okay. My, here, my problem. I mean, wow, wow, a lot here we could talk about forever about movies that make us sad and happy. Yeah. At this point, I want to I want I want to be uplifted. I don't want to be. That con- helps. It's so great. It's See, the reforming that's why she, that's why of. She's a she's present. And I'm inti- I want, I'm very like, superficial. Here. It's so good for pandemic watching. Yeah. You have to break everything to rebuild it, and then I mean the kid is better so you, than so ever. You, like was this like a, a therapy that you did during pandemic? Let's well, watch Inside Out I and mean, see what you happens. Gotta, you gotta have something to try and <laughs> There's get. There's also other through. things on hey, Netflix you could do. You if can you have like ice it. cream. You can watch Inside Out. Like sure. everybody starts to feel a little what's, bit. What's what's a guilty pleasure for pandemic? What do you indulge on? Guilty pleasure. Good show. I'm a big TV person. There we go. Here we go. Now, now we're getting there. All right. <laughs> so right now I'm currently hooked on Alone. Have you seen Alone? No. It's oh, nope. what? Nope. It's nope. on the History Channel. It drops. That's why? <laughs> no, it's so. I'm good. binging a History I'm, Channel I'm, show yeah. called Alone. Oh, National Geographic. Then I'll get to it. <laughs> no, what's, no, it no. what's it about? What's it about? You you like give it. us the pitch. Give us the pitch. They drop ten people on Vancouver Island, which is just like not very great weather. There's bears. There's cougars. And these people are completely alone, and they have to survive with their 10 tools. That's all they get. They have to survive until the last person goes. You get 500000 if you stay. And they stay for like This is a reality days. show. This is this is like my wife binging naked and afraid. Yes, but it's, that doesn't not count. Naked, but they're not naked. And and, and if in the in the, the ten tools of Lorraine's would be being being calm, <laughs> yes. being mindful, <laughs> yes. deep breathing. Yes. Mine would be like a knife in a you know. But I'm telling you what, Flint. when these so when these people have don't the ha, don't have their the basic needs met, like food and they go crazy. They, it's their mental on. ability to stay strong. It's their mental ability is this a new show or are you binging old shows is the new show are you binging old shows i think it's relatively new there's seven seasons oh that's not relatively new then no it's not what what about you what do you what do you uh nothing no guilty pleasures for pandemic (laughs) for pandemic i wish other than inside (laughs) out which is very you know prescriptive therapeutic she's watching breathing videos Um, I did love the marvelous Miss Maisel, which was a uh, oh. and was it Jake? I loved it. You was can, it well, Jake Ryan? What whoa, was the um, Jack whoa. Ryan? Jack Ryan. Hold on. That's another one. The Ma- oh, I love Jack. Are, I love Jack Ryan. Here's my problem with Maisel, right? And the first four episodes were unbelievable. I know you had to and wait then, through uh, some. And boring. then afterwards, I'm like, 
what, what is it? Last season, I'm like, I just watched it because I had to. I'm like, this crap. I really I, hated it. I wanted more of I really wanted to like it. I wanted to like it. Yeah, that, that's the best part. That's All the, the drama part. about the like, a husband. Like, what are we doing here? I know, exactly. I was fine but, with that, but Jack Ryan was great. Yeah. Agreed. Jack Ryan Agreed. was wonderful. Now I'm watching Money Heist on Netflix, which is awesome. Money Heist? Yeah. So good. Like, so good. Oh, good. But this isn't a TV show. Well, it, it actually frequently is on the podcast, Dave, but not right now. Wow. What other words of wisdom from you, David? Any good questions? Anything left? I am I am uh, winded just like after a good uh, yoga session. Yay! What's it, I was gonna say too, like you know, we, there are, there are different times of my life. We talked about this before, where you walk out of somewhere feeling a certain way, elevation, you know, mm. elevated both you know physically, emotionally, and and I mean, I think the one of the most important ones in my life, and I think Dan's lives, our lives, is this, like just connecting, mm. you know, um, with people. I mean, to me, it's the elixir of life. I mean, me I just too. I'm, I'm like. I'm that guy, like I love just being around people, you know, I'm, I just love the social connection. So this is wonderful. So just being with, with good friends and meeting, talking to people is awesome. You know, walking out of, you know, Dan and I are pretty active in our, you know, in our religious um, beliefs and walking out of a great, you know, service at my, te- at the temple that I go to uh, is always wonderful. Right now, it's, it's different, right? When I'm not mm-hmm. doing that because of the pandemic, but walking out of yoga gives me that same feeling, you know, so as much as I maybe mention the gratitude and the spirituality, there's something about, I don't know what it is. I mean, I know what it is, but it's more than what I even comprehend what doing yoga is you know how it feels you know in, in a wonderful way and it's actually again it's nice to be back in this studio sitting on this floor um knowing that i need to stretch a little bit more after i leave but uh, it's just really neat what yoga does and it, like you said it just it's just not about i mean I, dan and i we both talk all the time about how much we exercise maybe going to the gym i mean there's some great things there but yoga does it all you know it's just really really cool i think the word you're looking for is probably connection I yeah. think that's the best part of a good conversation, a great practice, your spirituality practice, meditation, parenting. I think the most beautiful moments for me are encompassed in connection. Yeah, connection. That's good. Bam. <laughs> or, or I know. <laughs> I was going to say something, but you did, she, she dropped the mic. So. <laughs> and I think um, here we are uh, mid-summer wondering about will we be able to connect with people in the fall and hoping the answer is yes and all, just wearing the anxieties of maybe, right? So... We appreciate you know where you are in that space, and we're really happy that you're able to be open and finding connections with people. Thanks for taking the time with us, right? Tell your story and hear more about you. Um, this was great, Dave. Yes, thank you so thank much. You and um, you know, for time. more information about what's happening, you can go to the LPY website, which I'm sure is easily Googleable, and signing up for classes. And go to Bowman on is it every day or Saturdays or when's that happening? We have at least one class every day now. On the on the shady pavilion at Bowman, you know, go over there and see what's going on. Um, and wish you lots of success in navigating these really difficult waters. So thanks again for taking the time today. Thank you. Thanks for your work, too. All right. And Dave, anything else from you? No, I'm just looking forward to keeping this going. We have um, hopefully some other exciting podcasts coming up. And we, uh, as always, thank Joey Freeman for his intro and outro music from New York. And, uh, you know, it's all, it's all good. It's great to be with you. So Dave Lost 3 and I talked about offline, but this was a great show for today. Uh, have a great day, everybody, and thanks again to our guests and LPY for hosting us this afternoon. Um, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time. What Do We Know is written by Dan Broskell and Dave Geller and produced by Julie Manugian at Lex Media in Lexington, Massachusetts. Our theme music is written by Joey Freeman. Joey's work can be found on SoundCloud and Spotify. See you next time.